on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Well, they're half right. We're at Bailiwick, and it's great to be back at Bailiwick once again after our rodeo hiatus. want to thank the folks uh, down the street at Parkway Tavern for hosting us for a couple weeks, but it's great to be home, great to be at Bailiwick here at the Orleans, and great to be talking Runner Rebel basketball, Runner Rebels winners of two straight, and getting ready to get back into the Thomas and Mac and take on uh, Nebraska-Omaha tomorrow, and then only one more non-conference game before uh, heading into conference play on New Year's Day. I'm John Sandler, head coach Kevin Kruger with me, and uh, coach, it's a little ironic that, uh, you know, we hear people say, we need rain, we need rain, we need rain, and then it rains and everybody goes crazy and forgets how to drive and all that other stuff, so we're, we're waiting for Curtis and Steve, and they'll be here eventually. Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody's miserable when it's raining in Vegas, but uh, yeah, we sit around and talk about miserably hot in the summer, you know, cold, windy, and rainy in the winter, but... Uh, it's still another beautiful day in Vegas, regardless, <laughs> raining or not. That's your, fa- your favorite expression, I know that. No and, question. And it's a beautiful day in Vegas right now because uh, the, the, the Knights are winning. The, the Steph Curry's uh, set the new uh, all-time three-pointer record, and the Runner Rebels have won a couple in a row and looked really good doing it. Yeah, the uh, yeah, Knights up 4-0, I think, so it's obviously a good a good part of Vegas. I think Curry actually already broke it. Yeah, he did. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a good sports day. And uh, to do it at the, at the Garden especially, it's got to be pretty special for him. But uh, guys are playing well and uh, having fun. Uh, last few practices have had a little different tone and a little different uh, rhythm to it after you know, having some tough games where we got our teeth kicked in and then coming back and playing better and, and feeling better. It was a tough stretch in the schedule, and, and there were – and Steve Cofield joins us now. But and, and there were varying degrees of, of effort and success and all of that during that stretch. But it seems to have, have done the trick, and that is gotten everybody's attention and brought the team together. And we talked about that, the adversity leading to some coalescing of the group and, and growing together and gelling. And I know that's something you've been waiting for, and you're starting to see more of that on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, the non-conference is in place, so you can put yourself in those situations so that uh, you're ready for conference. And I think uh, that, or that's at least, uh, that's how we view it. Um, You know, going to SMU, going to San Francisco, uh, playing those neutral games uh, against, you know, Michigan and Wichita. You know, when we go to Logan, Utah, and play Utah State, San Diego to play San Diego State, uh, you know, Air Force, Wyoming, wherever you want to say that, it's not going to be new to them. So, you know, we won't be in those situations and, and them looking at us like, well, what are we supposed to do? You know, we, we, they've been out there fighting together. They've been in a situation where, you know, we're down late and we've just got to, you know, have some pride and go out and finish the game. But uh, putting them in those situations, I think, can't do anything but help us uh, for conference time. What are some specific things you've seen? You say practice has had a different tone. I, I mean, the, the things I saw on the floor in terms of communication on defense – Ball movement, sharing the basketball, 
finding guys for threes. We'll hear some highlights later of drive and kick threes that are you know are just terrific. And I know there's stuff that make you and the and the other coaches happy. But but what are some other specific things that you've seen that you've been pleased by the last couple of games and practices? Well, I think uh, you know in practice today and yesterday we just we, we noticed that. You know, things just seem to click a little more. And, uh, you know, as a player, you like playing in the games the most. And I think as, as coaches, you enjoy the games the most because that's where they can learn it in real time. And, you know, we can put them in as many practice scenarios as we want, but when you're going against the same guys, you tend to learn their tendencies. So when you go against somebody else, uh, you just have to be a little more ready. you got to be a, a, a little more locked in. You can't kind of take that split second or two of, of, of comfort. And uh, I think that's just what happened. We, we've gone now, we've played a handful of games, and now when we talk about a switch or we talk about a, a screen and how we want to talk about it or how we want to guard it, uh, the guys have just a little more understanding. and You can see the thought going through their mind a little more because they've seen it now a number of different ways. And uh, then offensively, yeah, we, we had some, some hard discussions as a team, and, and they really took ownership of it. We knew it was going to be tough. Uh, there for a few games, just kind of getting used to it. But I think since that day at SMU, they've uh, done nothing but get better offensively uh, since then. And Steve, I noticed, I know you've seen it, the, the ball movement, uh, one of the things the coaches really stress, and you can see it in the effectiveness of the, of the offense, is moving the ball side to side, getting the defense moving side to side. Don't let them stay in their lanes. And, and uh, it just creates more, many more opportunities for the offense that we've seen the last couple of games. I think the, the drive and kick is, is starting to work. Like, guys are starting to figure it out. Um, and I think they're also realizing, you know, especially in the case of Bryce, that, you know, getting locked up sometimes and having three guys on you and, you know, you, you, just, you can't even get a shot off, what's the point, you know, if there's someone opening? But you need the results too, right? So the fact that Donovan lit it up, I mean, I think that's going to be a gigantic positive for Bryce's confidence, Nuga's confidence, and also Donovan's confidence to kick it out. Don't force it into three people. No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Bryce is just, he's unique. We've all, we've talked about it from day one. We haven't shied away from it. And uh, he's got the ability to draw a lot of attention. And when he can get in there and create for, uh, for his teammates and force closeout situations, we feel that, and not just him, of course, you know, Donovan's got that ability. Jordan's got that ability, a really good job of getting in the paint. So when they, they create those, uh, a closeout advantage situation for a teammate, we just really like the way the offense goes when they're doing that. And then anything you see from there is it's no coaching. You know, when they get in the, in the paint and, and drive and kick and make a play, that's all their instincts kicking in and, and just playing ball from there. Bryce Hamilton is a fascinating study over the years, right? When he came in, he was really, really quiet. With us, he hasn't become, you know, much more loquacious. But he is a talkative guy around the team, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bryce, is, uh, Bryce will talk. He, uh, he, he leads some of those dinner conversations, uh, mostly debates. You know, best shooter, you know, best, oh, really? best rapper, best dancer, best, you know, wh- whatever it may be. Uh, you know, he's right in the middle of all of that. Yeah, he's just somebody who takes a little time to warm up, uh, warm up to. But uh, no, no, Bryce is uh, definitely the leader in the clubhouse of uh, talking. And by the way, I thought you mentioned something really interesting that you know, if people didn't hear the the post game after the last game, Bryce is quiet, but it doesn't mean he's not smart. And you talked about his basketball IQ is way up there, and he's a guy who's always asking you guys questions. No, his basketball IQ is is as high as any, uh, anybody we've been around, and. Uh, you know, he notices those things in games. He, he recognizes how guys are guarding him, how they're guarding actions. So anytime you kind of see Bryce run by me, it might be something that you may not even notice. But a lot of times he's just kind of he throws out a suggestion 
and for something for us to look at. And, and then he gets back to where he needs to get to. And really, it's kind of the relationship that's formed throughout the last couple of years is he knows he can come by and say it, and, and we'll take a look at it. And then the next time we have a stoppage, we'll either say, uh, we, don't, we don't think that'll work with this for this reason, or we'll say, yeah, let's do that. And where we would love to challenge Bryce and get Bryce to take that next step is for not even to come to me or not even to come to the coaches and just be like, Jordan, we're running this. Marvin, we're doing this. Go stand there. And I think, uh, you know, when, when he does that and puts his stamp on something, it, it usually works out. Is that IQ, is it, is it a natural thing or is it learned over the years? Like some guys just have it. Maybe Some guys may never have it. Uh, not to be too harsh, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I you think, played the game. I'm sure you played with people who were like, "No, they just, you know, they just never really picked it up." Yeah, I think some people, you, you just, you know, like whether it be math or whatever, it just some people just see things. I mean, we had a guy coached, uh, you know, Trey Young, obviously, not to name drop that one, but uh, <laughs> you know, he could stand by the water bucket and you could put in a play, and he'd know it from all five positions. Uh, and there are just you got a couple guys like that on a team. And then you've got a couple guys that just don't quite see it the same way. But, uh, yeah, some guys just – and I think Bryce is one of those guys. He knows all our plays from all five spots. Uh, he knows the timing, what we're looking for. And uh, I think a lot of that's natural, but a lot of that's because he's, he's a very observant person. It's kind of a special combo when he's the most talented guy, super athletic, strong, you know, can destroy people off the dribble. But he's also smart. I mean, that's that's dangerous for the opposition. You're like, okay, what do we do? This guy can outperform us athletically and outthink us. It is, and I think uh, that's where we're really proud of Bryce and the progress he's made from what we've asked him to do. Like you said, he's a quiet person. He's a quiet person on the court too. But we've challenged him uh, to talk more. We we use the phrase a lot. Uh, quiet is scared, and we don't mean that in a in a negative way. We just want you to put your stamp on it. We want you to say something and put your name on it because when you do that you take a little more pride in it, a little more investment in it, and he's done that. He's talked more. He's been more vocal, but we're just going to continue to challenge him to do more. And, and you know, Steve talks about that combination. He's also competitive, and, and he's been in a situation really the last two years where if he didn't score, the Rebels were in trouble. And he knew that, as you say, smart, basketball IQ, all of that. So he took it upon himself and, and got himself into situations just because he, he knew that he had to score where, you know, he's going in there against three guys and he's still trying to score. And I think earlier this season he hadn't, he hadn't gotten over that. I think the last couple of games we've seen that change. We've seen Bryce be more aware of the fact that he can kick it to Donovan, he can kick it to Mike Nuga, he can try to find, Roy, find Royce Ham down low, and, and they're going to be able to get the ball in the bucket and, and – take some of the pressure off of him he needs to embrace that in order for the rebels to continue to be successful well no question you know bryce has been asked from day one to score he's uh he's got that ability that you know most people don't have is which is just a natural understanding and ability to to get his shot he wants and to get where he wants to get to but you know to, to kind of give bryce a, even another pat on the back you know going into the smu game we sat down with everybody and we specifically talked about the shots we wanted them shooting within the the flow of the offense and with the, since SMU, Bryce has taken one shot, one, in, in now three games where he looked over and he said, that's my fault. And that's it. So he's done exactly what's been asked. Uh, we feel that he's been able to almost take a deep breath, and, and he's, he's understanding things. He's, he's doing it within, you know, the, as, you mentioned, as Steve mentioned, you know, ball going side to side, letting the defense move around a little bit. But we're not asking Bryce by any stretch to do less. 
we're still asking him to do the same thing, have the same output, just, uh, just kind of do it within the framework that the coaches have put forward. Well, and, and you mentioned your relationship with him. The fact that you've been able to build that relationship over three years and develop trust and develop, you know, develop that, that mentoring relationship and that, that uh, two-way conversation, as you were talking about, where he's just going to feel more comfortable on the floor in every aspect. Well, yeah, I think, as you mentioned, the relationship, Bryce, I just think he knows my tone. If, uh, you know, he knows when I'm just saying something to get him going, he knows when I'm actually upset or disappointed in him, and he knows when I'm joking around. And the other guys, of course, are learning, but, you know, having those, you know, two years, two and a half years now with him, uh, there is just that, that level of, you, ju- you can just have a conversation. You know, you, you know what gets him going, because what gets him going isn't the same as what gets David Wolka going. So, you know, you, you learn that through time. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I just think having that time with Bryce is, uh, is something that has kind of led to where we're at today. I feel like your stare game is starting to build pretty strong. Your stare, your, stare game? Your stare yeah. game at the end of the last game. Is when, it like The Rock with his no, little no. bit? Yeah, I know. You know who it's like. I, yeah. uh, what? Don't yeah, say it. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. The alley-oop off the glass. Okay, it didn't work. And then I wanted it to work, I, I know, for the record. Said, I really wanted it to work. You said that work. after the game, yeah, but, okay. but you stared. And then uh, I think Royce Ham took a late three. And, and actually, I talked to Donovan Williams today. He said when he knows he may, makes a mistake, he doesn't even look over. Because <laughs> now he knows. And, like, you stared at both of them like, oh, boy, they're in trouble. Yeah, well, Donovan, if you saw when he came out, he just came over, gave yep. me a quick little hug, and went to the bench. I, I didn't say a word to he him. Didn't he didn't say knew. anything, yeah. He knew. But, again, that shows you that they are starting to know. Yeah. You know, so, you know, that's exciting for us as a staff. Because when they know, I mean, it's no different than when we were all kids and we did something mom, dad, and uncle didn't want us to do. Yep. You don't want to look in their direction because you know you're in trouble. And uh, they're not in trouble, just for the record. You, know, but, but <laughs> you have might, your moments where we, you get irked? Irked is probably a good word, but, yes. but they know it. And, but even again, going back to the SMU game, we, we, didn't, we did a lot of irking. <laughs> and then, it was irksome. Yeah, it was <laughs> irksome. And then... The last few games, you can see that, I mean, they're just more comfortable. They're getting more comfortable. So that's exciting for us. I think, uh, you know, they're excited about it. They're, they're feeling good right now, having fun. So if, as long as we stay out of the way, they, uh, they should be able to continue to have fun. Yeah, as long as the irks with the whistles out on the floor don't, <laughs> yeah. irk, don't irk you around too badly, uh, it'll, it'll be okay. Let's take our first break. We're going to get into uh, both games that have transpired recently the victories over Seattle and Hartford. Talk about some of the specifics, obviously Bryce, but we'll talk a little specifically about Mike Nuga and his coming party against uh, against Seattle U. And then, of course, the the record uh, performance, if you will, or the uh, somewhat historic performance by both Bryce and uh, Donovan Williams against uh, against Hartford. We'll talk about that as well. Fans, remember EOS is a better gym, better price. EOS Fitness, proud partner of UNLV Athletics. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Back at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, the Kevin Kruger Radio Show. Runner Rebels getting ready for Nebraska-Omaha tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at, to- at the Thomas & Mack, back home in, in the building. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip. We'll be on the air at 6.30 with Runnin' Rebel warm-up. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, Steve Cofield, and head coach Kevin Kruger with you as we talk Runnin' Rebel basketball, talking about uh, the Rebels' 
last two games, both of them uh, played over at Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay. What a great uh, little facility. Not so little, but uh, great facility that is. Uh, the, the remodel, the refurbishing of it. Uh, it's the home of the Las Vegas Aces, and uh, we all know how successful they have been. And the Runner Rebels enjoyed their time there, Coach, uh, playing over at Mandalay. Yeah, uh, and especially, you know, the Hartford game where uh, the city came out, supported them, and, uh, you know, that was huge. That was important. You know, when the guys run out there and, and see that they're being supported, then, uh, you know, it, it helps. Well, it does. And, in, you know, Seattle game, there were various issues that, that led to uh, a small crowd, but it didn't affect uh, the Rebels overall, a 20-point victory over a pretty good uh, Seattle University team and, and one guy really kind of showed us what you have been excited about since, uh, since you and I talked about this guy in the spring uh, when, when you first got the job and when you first got him to commit to the program. Mike Nuga had a tremendous game. He got the Rebels off to a great start in the first half of, of the Seattle game. Here's an example. Rebound run down by Nuga. Left side McCabe, down low, Ham. Back out to Nuga, three for Mike. Is good. Mike Nuga takes the lid off the basket, and it's 8-3. to three. McCabe into the lane, kicks it back to Nuga. Nuga catch, shoot three, is good. Mike's two for two, and the Rebels have scored eight straight and tied it at eight. That run got the Rebels going, and they really didn't stop for the rest of the time in Mandalay Bay after that slow start. And and Mike Nuga, with all his energy and, and his ability, really kind of showed off in that game. No, he really didn't. It was great to see. Uh, as you mentioned, Mike's one of those guys, if you've had time to be around him, uh, Always smiling, happy, dancing, uh, you know, just uplifting energy and, and fun to be around. Um, he has a great story, you know, in terms of his, his upbringing and, and how he got to being a Division One college basketball player. And uh, he enjoys being here. He's one of those guys at every breakfast he says he thanks Coach Henry for setting it up. Uh, at every dinner he thanks, you know, Coach Henry and, and the people that go into making it you know, possible. So he's just appreciative to be here. I think, uh, you know, as has been reported after the San Francisco game, he was he had a little uh, emotion and passion, and I think uh, that him getting that off his chest was was great for him because then he comes out in Seattle and and played loose and played free and kind of played the way we had thought he would be like uh, from day one, and so it was happy and fun to see him do that. How important was it for? I mean, his teammates knew how upset he was after the San Francisco game. How important was it, and what impact did it have, the fact that he was upset after the San Francisco game visibly and then came out and played so well against, uh, against Seattle in the very next game? Yeah, I think it was just an opportunity that, that he took the opportunity to just say things he had felt. And, you know, everything he said was that, you know, he didn't feel great. Uh, you know, he wanted to help more. He, he could do more. He, he wanted to challenge himself to do more. And, you know, he didn't blame the coaches. He didn't blame teammates. Uh, you know, it was just a little frustration being let out, and I think him doing that just kind of allowed him to play free. I think, uh, you know, and that's and again, that's that's where he's at his best. Curtis, uh, as as you think about and you look back on your career, did you ever have a moment where you you know you you were upset with yourself and you were able to turn that into kind of a a, a successful uh, moment or successful a successful stretch on the court? Uh, yeah, I'm always upset with myself. Um, and my kids would say they're always upset with me, but I'm, I'm in charge now because it's, it's the holiday season. Um, no, but real quick, back to back to Mike Nuga. In terms of the opportunity, when I first met him, we were upstairs at the Mendenhall, and he's like, "I'm just so happy to be here. The facility is amazing. Uh, the campus is amazing. The Thomas and Mac." 
I'm just happy to have this opportunity. And that just shows in terms of what he came from and his story, like Kevin said. Um, and I think that means a lot because you show pride in that and, and you show the dedication to want to succeed and get better. Um, I know one time when Kevin was mad at me, I think we were playing Utah. Uh, I think it was it might have been senior night and I fouled a guy on the free throw lane and gave up three free throws or something crazy like that. Um, I remember that, and I can actually tell an accurate story. Go ahead and like, tell it. No, I'm, gonna, I'm teeing you up here for one. It was our first game of the conference. Tournament. No. Oh. Conference schedule. Conference schedule. Utah, who was in the Mountain West with us at the time. A freshman kid from Utah by the name of Stephen Way. We're up two. Right? This obviously upset him more yeah. than it upset me. I remember this. We're up two. Now you know why he's so competitive. Go ahead. <laughs> And Curtis fouls the guy shooting a three with, like, two seconds left. Why? Why would you do that? He only ended up making two. We ended up going to double overtime and winning, so I guess it was a good strategy. But, yeah. <laughs> well, Curtis was always at his best in overtime. You know? Like, just get out of his way. Like, what, what, were, we, what were we doing? Do you really not remember that? No, I remember it vividly. And you were, I was like, my bad. You were, he was pissed. I saw that scowl, the one we see on the sidelines, and I was like, oh, shit. Oops, excuse my language. Um, but no, so yeah, those are the moments right there. Um, yeah. For me, it's not so much it, myself, it's about letting down my teammates um, and, and for them and all the work you put in. Um, that's the, the things that stung me the most for sure um, because I knew even if I shot an air ball, I was going to come down and shoot it the next time. So it wasn't about me. It was about the, the teammates and letting them down. And I, I think that's what Mike was, was expressing. And that he certainly didn't let him down uh, in the game. As a matter of fact, uh, in the second half, he had a couple of good moments as well. Let's hear him. Marvin this time comes right side, reverses to Nuga. Catch and shoot three is good. And Mike Nuga takes a charge on one side and now knocks down a three on the other. And the Rebels lead by 19. Tolman brings it back out top. He's double teamed, steps through the double team, throws it in the corner to Nuga. Open for a three. Mike's three off the iron and in. Everything going. It's the Nuga way tonight. <laughs> it was the Nuga way in that game. Mike, uh, in uh, 30 minutes of action, 8 of 13 from the field, made five threes at 21 points, uh, had eight assists in the basketball game. I mean, what a complete performance. Yeah, no, Mike was a, I mean, he was himself. He was just out there playing loose, playing free. Um, yeah, but, I mean, to score in the 20s and still have near 10 assists is, is pretty impressive. It shows that you were a part of, you know, almost all the plays when you were out there uh, in, a, in a positive manner. So, but, again, another thing Mike does really well, you know, he picks up the ball full a lot of times. He guards it. He turns the guy a few times. So it's not, uh, you know, just the offensive side of it. He, he does defensive things. He's all, I mean, he's strong as an ox. He gets in there and muddies it up in the paint. So, um, again, he's just he's fun to be around. You, you know, you, could, you wish you could have nothing but guys like Mike uh, for as long as you do it. So um, we're, we're going to enjoy as much time as we got with Mike. As you learn the players, is he the kind of guy who does need positive reinforcement, especially during the games? Because I noticed when he came out with a couple of threes at the beginning of the game, you were especially stoked and say, yeah, Mike, yeah, Mike, does he need that? Like every, every person needs something different. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, you don't mind it with Mike. It's just he's also such an easy person to root for that, you know, when, when he's happy and excited, I think you just kind of naturally get that way too. And, yeah, you know, you, you want to get out there and give him a high five and just like, and, you know, and, and cheer with him. But, uh yeah, I mean, and it's another thing as we continue to learn each other again, like you mentioned, uh, you know, and, and a lot of that could fall on me and the staff. You know, we should have recognized Mike's frustration a little earlier. 
and uh, and done things to kind of help put him in place to to make plays and, and get more aggressive because Mike's a very unselfish player. So, you know, as Curtis said, it's not about, you know, you messing up. It's that feeling that you hurt the team that you want to avoid. So you end up just kind of stepping back and stepping back to the point where you're not really making an impact. And I think that's what kind of happened to Mike. He was just trying not to mess up. And by doing so, he ended up just not having any impact on the game. So when he went out there, though, and played like he didn't care, he had a great game. He also talked about eliminating pregame distractions or maybe the lead up to the game. Like, how important is that to kind of manage but not crawl in their headspace? Because, the, you know, obviously, you know, I'm sure you guys were in games where, like, maybe in the first half you just didn't have it and maybe you didn't prep the right way before the game. Yeah, I mean, the guys, uh, I mean. It's, know, it's different now. It's harder now. Oh, yeah. I think I mean, social media changes everything. Yeah. Um, it's different for sure. But we, guys have their routines. And, and, you know, you don't want to mess with that ever, but. Uh, yeah, Mike said he just eliminated a few things that uh, he didn't need, and whether he if he wants to share those, you know that that's his his decision. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, as Curtis was saying, I mean the routines is what I think you just want to make sure are, are right. But that shows his maturity that that he was able to kind of self-diagnose and say, okay, things aren't working the way I want them. I'm going to make some changes. You guys didn't tell him to change those things. You guys didn't, didn't you know, that he, that he did on his own. And that's a great thing to see. I hope it's a great example for the other guys. Every team has a, kind of a heartbeat, someone that emotionally leads them, rallies them, brings the energy. For you, obviously, Mike is the excite, excitement, dancing, uh, full of life. Is he the one to where if he's positive, he's going, the team follows suit? Or is it Royce Ham? So far for you, what do you see in terms of which guy – motivates your team um, when they're down, just down in the dumps, and you guys need to spark? Well, kind of the nice thing about this team is we really haven't had a lot of days where we're you know, down in the dumps, to use your wording. But, uh, you know, even when we lost a game, we come back. And, you know, I mean, these guys, are they're, they're happy. They're, they're excited, as you mentioned, with Mike to be here. You know, they enjoy that daily opportunity. And, and uh, you know, when you come to practice, Royce Ham is the same exact person every single day. Mike Nuga is the same. Victor is the same. Even Bryce, although we wish he would talk a little more, he's the same person. And uh, so I think you could say, you know, if our team had an identity, it's a group that has fun. Um, no, we haven't won every game, obviously, but uh, it's a group that has fun getting better, figuring things out. And, uh, you know, but especially, you know, Mike, Vic, Royce, uh, I think you just immediately gravitate toward those guys because they're having fun. Yeah, and, and, and when they have fun, they share the basketball. And we've seen that uh, to an exemplary degree over the last couple of games. 47 assists on 58 made baskets in the two games of Manley. Uh, and, and it led to offensive efficiency. I don't remember the last time Bryce Hamilton was 8 for 9 in a game. I mean, Bryce gets his points, but there are times, and as I referenced earlier, especially when in the last couple of years when he was sort of the only option, where – He's getting 20, but it's, you know, 7 for 23. And you'll take 8 for 9, I know, a lot more than that. No, absolutely. I mean, 8 for 9 is impressive, especially for a guard. Uh, you know, not to discredit any big men out there, you know, but they usually play a little closer to the rim. So 8 for 9 is a little more normal. But for, to be it from a, a, for a scoring uh, kind of half-shooting, half-driving wing is just incredibly impressive. And as you mentioned with the assist, I don't know if we've ever – I've ever been on a team where every assist or every field goal and a half was assisted. Yep. You know, to have 13 made field goals in the Hartford game with 13 assists is uh, it's special. I don't know who would even go back and find 
you know, having above 10 made field goals in a college game and all be assisted is, uh, it just shows they're out there playing for each other and having fun. No, super impressive. John and I, we pointed out numerous times on, on the course of the broadcast, but SID, Andy Grossman, he can fact check that one and, and dig, in the, dig in the archives. Um, for me, it, and we, John, I said this, there was a switch that was flipped. Yep. Can you pinpoint what that was for your group? Was it just Mike letting loose and, and, and kind of voicing his feelings? Or was there something that you noticed in terms of with the guys over the course of San Francisco to Seattle to where something just clicked and they seemed to be more in tune, more together, more just locked into focus? Yeah, I, I'd actually say it was the SMU game. Um, you, know, I'll be, you know, when you talk about that, that light switch going on or that click, uh, you know, it doesn't always have – it's not always something that's, you know, a, a made three at the buzzer, a, a win. You know, it can be sometimes getting, getting struggling oh. – Getting your, your you know what getting your kicked. Teeth, getting your teeth kicked in a little bit. But, uh, no, because that was the game where we really challenged them and uh, to, to kind of get on this, for all of us to get on the same page. And, you know, they took that. And then the next day they were good. You know, they, they were a little not happy with the way they played, but they were good. They understood it. We watched film. We got better. That's the San Francisco game. We go out and have, at that time, our best half of the year 51 percent on the road at san francisco starting down 12 to 2 as well so again a pat on the back now we took the shots we wanted in the second half and also you know when you're down late you got to take a few you might not normally want to take but uh then to since then it's been incrementally better each game and uh so really i, I would go back to that even that morning after uh, smu to where we kind of had a choice were we all going to get on the same page or, or were we not and just kind of see where things went. But they've been just, not just good, but great uh, since then and uh, just wanting us all to team up together and figure it out. Well, great describes uh, the offensive performances we saw by two runner rebels against Hartford. We'll talk about that when we come back, a historic performance uh, by a couple of the runner rebels. Fans, remember that Finley Chevrolet, located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, it's Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership, and frankly, they're customer-driven. Back with more of the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Back at Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, John Sandler, Curtis Terry, Steve Cofield, and the head coach Kevin Kruger talking runner-rebel basketball as the runner-rebels get ready for Nebraska. Omaha, the second-to-last, the penultimate non-conference game tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. We'll be on the air at 6.30 with runner-rebel warm-up. And then San Diego next week, USD. And then San Diego State, New Year's Day at the Thomas and Mac. Mark your calendars as uh, conference play begins in earnest uh, pretty darn quickly. Talking runner rebel basketball, talking about the two games uh, just concluded over at Mandalay Bay's uh, McLeod Ultra Arena. And uh, the game against Hartford uh, saw something that we can't find in the, uh, in the records that has happened for a runner rebel team in a regular season game in, like, since, the, since we can go back and look at records. The last time we could find two runner rebel players scoring more than 30 points in a game was in the Elite Eight game in 1990 when uh, Stacy Ogman, I don't remember this correctly, it was, uh, I made a note, it was uh, Stacy Ogman. I thought it was Anderson Hunt. And Anderson Hunt. Yeah. March 25th, 1990 against Loyola Marymount. Absolutely right. Each had more than 30 points in a game. There was also a game earlier 
uh, in the NCAA tournament where they had, where two guys had done it. Uh, I think Armand Gilliam uh, and someone else. But we could not find it. And the records are sketchy after actually about the time your dad took over in 2004. Uh, before that, so it's hard to tell. But we couldn't find a regular season game since then for sure when two runner Rebels each scored 30 against Hartford. Did we? Did we not? Um, yeah. We did. Or, I think we did. I think we did too. I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, I, I, I th- actually, I know you did. It was that inner squad uh, scrimmage. Yeah. yeah. I'm not no. sure that counts. You had way over more than 30, if I remember correctly. Yeah, not it might shots. have been like 40. Something. Not shots. That's what it is. This is just in the 30s, not 40 and 40. Yeah, no, okay. 40 and 40. <laughs> you got to you got to change your your search. Yeah, you got to look. Okay. You got to look farther. Look, down. I got I got to raise the bar. Okay, uh, Bryce Hamilton with 33, Donovan Williams with 32. It was it was really remarkable. Uh, you guys, as a coaching staff, knew that you had a chance uh, against Hartford that these guys might be a little too athletic. For, for Hartford, and, and, and it proved to be the case. Uh, here are a couple of examples uh, of Donovan's work uh, against Hartford and Bryce. Ball inside to Bryce Hamilton, who lays it up, and it rolls in. Nice move by Bryce once he caught it inside to tie it at 12. With nine, with eight, Mitchell gives the ball right side to Williams. Williams gets stopped by, Will- by Donovan Williams, and then Donovan gets fouled as he headed up the floor. Great defense by Donovan Williams. Donovan Williams, uh, you remember that play, uh, getting in Williams' jersey. Too many Williamses, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, it was it was the game that we'd sort of been waiting for from Donovan, where he was he was excited and he was playing well on both ends of the floor. Yeah, Donovan, uh, he's just uh, he's gifted. I mean, he's just he's just a, a a great player when he when he when he sits down, he slides. I mean, he's got he's got length that most guys don't have. He uh, He's an exceptional shooter, not just a good shooter. He's an exceptional shooter. And then, of course, he can, he can run and jump uh, with the best of them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think his best highlight in the Hartford game was called uh, – it was stopped short with a, with a hand check foul when he drove baseline, yeah. a little one-dribble dunk. So that would have given him two more. But, uh, yeah, even at, at the end of the half, uh, you know, with four, whatever, three, four seconds left, getting us to, an extra point at the end of the half uh, after a stop and uh, – yeah, I mean, his length can just create so many advantages defensively that uh, lead out to advantages offensively for him. He, he's, he's an intriguing player to watch and at times can be frustrating because you know how good he can be and how he, he has that, all that talent and all that physical ability. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's just something he's starting to kind of to, to scrape the surface of. Uh, you know, he came here for a bigger role. He wanted to be more of a focal point on a team's uh, scouting report and and be more in the day-to-day. And I think, uh, you know, doing that, coming here, he, uh, he's, he's learning that because, uh, you know, he wasn't a part of that the way he wanted to be at Texas in the past two years. So uh, he's just going to continue to learn, and he's going to continue to grow, and, and that's just one of those things that I think he's just going to continue to get better. And, Steve, I know you had a chance to talk with him uh, a bit. I've talked to Donovan. I've been impressed by his thoughtfulness and, and his, his smarts about his – role and his opportunity it's just a matter of getting that in place where he's thinking about it during the games and we've talked to him many times about you know the defensive end because it's completely different for him he's a guy who weighs 190 pounds and he's had to play against fours and fives a lot um and i know you pointed out after the last game you were appreciative of the whole group because they really have gone through a lot because of the injuries and the you know the shortage at the big spots that everyone's kind of had to play out of position and, and that doesn't always go well you know what I mean? Like the, no. some guys might, you know, push back on that, but it's been a good group, right? 
No, it's been unbelievable. I mean, they, 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 I mean, I don't think – I love this group. I love where we're at. I love where we're getting better. But we, we can't sit around and, and not acknowledge. You know, we went from potentially the biggest team in the Mountain West with 7-1 James Hampshire, 6-7, you know, 2-20 Vic Awakor, to one of the smallest when we lost both of them. And, uh, yeah, we, we've – you know, Mike had a torn ACL, coming off a torn ACL, coming from Kent State. So he didn't have any live reps until almost mid-October. So now you're, you're adding another new guy to an already new group. Jordan had a little knee issue in the summer that he had to deal with for about six weeks. So he didn't do any of the summer reps with the guys. So now he starts for a week and then go, leaves and then comes back. And where you're seeing it the most, though, is Donovan. Because Donovan has the ability with his length and his athleticism to guard guys that are a lot bigger than him. And... Oddly enough, it, it brings back a personal memory of mine, not of guarding the center position, but on a team I was on at UNLV. Joe Danger. Well, a certain guy no. named Curtis Terry was asked to guard the center position in games against Minnesota, mm-hmm. South Florida, yep, where we got in foul trouble, and he went out and did his job for a handful of minutes, and, and it might not have been what he woke up <laughs> dreaming to do that day, okay. but... He did it. He did it. And we ended up winning those games against Power 5 schools that ended up, uh, you know, helping us get to where we wanted to get to. But Donovan's done a lot of that as well. And it's unfortunate that I've had to ask him to do that. But it is what it is, and he's willing to do it for the betterment of the team. I appreciate the compliment. I no definitely problem. didn't think it was coming, That's what but I'm, I'm going to take it. But well, I thought I mean, it was going to be a backhanded one at the end, saying it didn't turn out very well because he didn't play good. Uh, but for me, it, it reminds me of former teammate Rene Rougeau as well. Um, obviously Joe Darger, yep. but I think just Renee, because I think if Renee was able to play more on the wing and develop those skills, he would have been a much more evolved and, and impactful player. Um, but Renee kind of sacrificed for himself for the betterment of the team and battled with the bigs, played down low, and it became, I mean, it's just the diamond in the rough for us in terms of being able to go small. But I think the same thing with Donovan. He's sacrificing because you see when Vic's in the game and he's playing on the wing, completely different strategy, completely different attack. Um, but, again, I think being able to go back and forth is just going to help him if he continues to buy in and, and, and listens to what Coach says. So at practice today, you know, at the end of practice, Donovan was shooting and shooting and shooting, working on his shot. And when I had a chance to talk to him, I, I asked him, you know, can you, can you actually become a good shooter just in practice without the playing time? Like, what's it's your hard. opinion on you know, that? I because at Texas, obviously, he didn't play. And, you know, it's not easy to improve if you're not actually out on the floor as a shooter. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we've all – I think anybody who's played – when you're asked to go in in limited minutes and like make it count, it's tough. It can be tough. And uh, but I think Donovan has worked on it. He's clearly worked on it. He's a because now that he's he's getting more minutes and he's getting more opportunities, shooting the ball really well. But uh, you know, obviously, you can't do it if you don't practice. But uh, yeah, those game reps are different. You're a little more tired. You know, you've got different people guarding you, uh, different scenarios, situations. You know, the the weight of each shot. You know, and and so. Yeah, it, while you can be – a lot of people are great practice shooters. You know, some people aren't great practice shooters, but when they go out in games, they, they throw it in. And, uh, but, yeah, you need those game reps. We also talked about spots, like your three-point spot. And Donovan said, basically, I, like, I don't want a three-point spot. I want to be good everywhere on the floor. But, but players do have spots, right? And other players need to recognize their teammates and their spots, right, at the three-point line? Yep. Curtis's spot was Viejas <laughs> Arena. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anywhere inside San Diego County city limits. 
Um, what was your spot? Did you have a spot that you like to shoot from? Was it baseline? Was it top of the key? What was it? The offensive side of half court. For <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, he wasn't shy. <laughs> no, but it's funny because Coach Steve Henson said, always told me that I shot better moving to my left and away from the basket than I did going towards the basket or moving to my right or just straight up and straight down. Um, so I don't know if it's just something that I, I'm a little heavy-footed on my left-hand side. Um, but I definitely think players have spots that they get to. I know. What was your spot, Kevin? Top of the key. Mm-hmm. Top of the key a lot, though, because at the point guard position, you don't want to be in the corner because it's hard to get back on defense. <laughs> it's a longer run back. It's a longer run back on defense if you're starting in the corner. And if you're not the fastest guy in the world to begin with, you know, you don't want to start in last place already. But, uh, and, and everything's even. You know, the, the symmetry of it, I just I always like the top of the key. But, it, of course, in the NBA, the corners, the highest percentage shot outside of the dunk. And I wonder in time, actually, if, the, if college will uh, adopt those uh, statistics as well just because now there's a crease. You know, every, every three-point shot in college isn't the same distance like it used to be. So those corner shots are closer. Maybe those will uh, prove to be the best shot in the game going forward. Well, the Rebels knocked down a bunch of them against Hartford, and uh, 11 threes made in that game. Uh, Donovan had a bunch, and, and he and Bryce, with that historic performance, uh, 33 and 32, it really was something to behold. Fans, remember that there are so many ways to be satisfied at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Savor the latest and greatest variety of flavors at Bailiwick, All-American Pub and Eatery, right here where we are. Food and fun, it's what they do. Back with more Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back for our final segment here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Runner Rebels getting ready for uh, Nebraska-Omaha tomorrow. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I want to remind you that Mr. Fry's Man is new to Las Vegas and serving up gourmet fries with endless combinations of meats and sauces. Rebel fans, make sure to sing, swing by for that late-night craving or delicious lunch located on Flamingo between Maryland Parkway and Cambridge. Check them out on, uh, online at mrfries.com, mrfriesman.com. Kev, I know uh, you love seeing the folks out here, and uh, some special folks are here tonight. Yeah, just uh, like to give two shout-outs, if we can. First, women's volleyball. Unbelievable Woo! job. Congrats to Don and, and that group. Uh, national invitation champs. National invitation champs. F- fun to watch. Had a chance to uh, take uh, my two-year-old to a couple uh, matches. Just, I mean, she was just glued. I mean, just glued. They're fun to watch. Uh, you know, seeing them, and then obviously they've, they've got it rolling pretty good. And then secondly, if you'll look back that direction, we have Chris Nelson and Tasha. Please raise your hand. They work in the equipment and gear over at UNLV. So anytime you see our guys looking good, feeling good, playing good, yeah. Who we got to talk to to get some of these, Chris and Tasha? Size 13? <laughs> Let me know. So, yeah, any good gear. That's where it comes from. So they got the, the guys love to see Chris and Tasha walking around because they think uh, it's like Christmas every day for them. But, so thank you to you guys, everything you guys do. Appreciate, appreciate you it. very much. Thank you. Rebels back home. And I know it's good to get back in the Thomas and Mac tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Nebraska, Omaha, another team that's got guards that can score. It seems like they're all over the place. Yeah, you know, coming back, you know, rodeo, you know, another thing with family went to. Uh, two-year-old was a little confused. A little interested, a little confused. She liked the volleyball better than the rodeo? I think so. She liked the horses, uh, but obviously she didn't understand what was a lot of what was going on, but she enjoyed watching the animals. Viv but wasn't into it? Viv wasn't into it at all. She was <laughs> sleeping. But, uh, yeah, no, it's nice to be back. 
Did you, did you dress the good. part for it? Hmm? Did you dress the part? Of course. You got a hat? He's, Cowboy hat? He's, of course. He's Barb's, he's, he's Barb's son. Of course yeah. he has that stuff. No, yeah, my mom loses her mind when the rodeo comes. Man. She is the happiest person in Vegas. Well, I remember, I remember years ago, your, your mom took us out to the ranch, and we went riding. In Oklahoma? No, here. Oh, yeah, yeah, she kept horses. She did have yeah. a horse here. I yeah. forgot about there, that. There's some pictures of that. We were, man, bareback on the horse um, in basketball shorts. Whew. <laughs> not, not good. There is there's there's actually, a rough day. There yep. is actually one picture of me on a horse, and it's it, my wife and I went to Montana on vacation. We went on a trail ride. It was absolutely beautiful. And there happened to be a woman there from a travel magazine on our ride. And she took a picture, and it, I have the cover. It's my wife looking beautiful and elegant and perfectly comfortable on a horse in the center of the frame. And just behind it, all you can see is my forearm just as taut as you can possibly have it trying to hang on for dear life to this horse that thought the trail ride was a three-hour buffet and about every 15 minutes just stop and eat whatever he wanted i had no control i i just it was a disaster and i don't belong the way you told me the story off air one time was that your wife was riding the horse but you were on the pony Oh, I don't even know. It was a real horse. It was a real horse. I'm just funny. In any City event. slickers. Yeah, exactly. In any event, Nebraska-Omaha tomorrow night, another chance for the Rebels to take another step. Yeah, Nebraska-Omaha coming in. They're a team that's battled a lot of injuries, had a lot of different roster lineups uh, for different games. Um, and I think that's been the focus for our guys. Know the personnel inside and out. Um, what they do offensively might change depending on who's playing and who's not. Uh, the big guy, Chandler, you know, we had uh, some – close and up close encounters with him at Wichita when we're back at Oklahoma so we know what he's capable of he hasn't played in a handful of games so not having him is a a big blow for them so we've got to be ready for that we've got to be uh you know ready for Hughes uh for Arena or uh, you know the guys that can shoot it they uh but again I think uh the different rosters they've had to, to play with depending on injury they might not have had their footing like they'd like at this point but that's why we've got to be ready for it. We've got to be ready to jump out early, no matter who goes out there and plays, and just do what we're trying to do. Has having a veteran group made it a little bit easier in terms of the scout and getting guys to understand what they're supposed to do? Because I think that's a big transition for guys coming out of high school. Yeah, I think in, in, when you get to college, and especially at this level, the scouting reports are different because the, the five players are usually pretty different. And uh, you know, you've got a, a big that does this, and you might have the, another big with the same height that does the complete opposite. So you really have to know uh, that scouting report, and who you might be guarding, not just who you're, uh, you know, who is the, who are the starters or the leading scorers. But uh, you know, if a guy goes in there for two minutes at the end of the half, you need to know what he does so he can't go in for two minutes and be effective. And but I do, I think that having an older group, they're used to scouting reports, they're used to, you know, understanding and locking in on personnel and and sets from the other team and. They understand the balance and the difference between what we need to focus on and be ready for versus how much uh, time and attention you put toward the other team. Running Rebels in Nebraska, Omaha, tomorrow night. Thomas and Matt, come on out. Uh, 7 o'clock, we'll have all the action at 6.30 with Runner Rebel warm-up. Uh, we'll be back here at Bailiwick in two weeks. No show next week, so Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, we will be back here in two weeks on the 28th, getting you ready for San Diego State. Thanks to everybody, Ari, Brian, Nick. Have a great uh, evening, everybody. Which inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, you've been listening to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by 
Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer driven. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network. Did you miss a show? Listen to podcasts.